We'll begin with number 52. Number 52. All praise to him who reigns above in majesty supreme, who gave his son for man to die, that he might man redeem. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, Blessed be the name of the Lord, his name above all names shall stand, exalted more and more, at God the Father's own right hand, where angel hosts adore. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. Redeemer, Savior, friend of man, was ruined by the fall. Thou hast devised salvation's plan, for thou hast died for all. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. Number 604, 604. <coughs> 604, after this song, John will have our uh, reading prayer. <clears throat> Verses 1, 2, and 5. I wandered in the shades of night till Jesus came to me, and with the sunlight of his love bid all my darkness flee. Sunlight, sunlight in my soul today. Sunlight, sunlight all along the way. Since the Savior found me, took away my sin, I have had the sunlight of his love within. The clouds may gather in the sky and billows around me roll. However dark the world may be, I've sunlight in my soul. Sunlight, sunlight in my soul today. Sunlight, sunlight all along the way. Since the Savior found me, took away my sin, I have had the sunlight of his love within. Soon I shall see him as he is the light that came to me. Behold the brightness of his face throughout eternity. Sunlight, sunlight in my soul today. Sunlight, sunlight all along the way. 
Since the Savior found me, took away my sin, I have had the sunlight of his love with him. Let's all pray at this time. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you. Thank you again for your safekeeping through this day and, Father, for the worship period we have together this morning and this evening, Father. Thankful for everyone here, all those who've been able to come, and, Father, for those who may be listening or watching. And, Father, we just pray that you'll bless each one. Father, we have so many in our congregation that are hurting or need to be strengthened. We pray, Father, that you will, will bless them. So many that have things that affect them that they're not able to maybe do the things that they like to as a Christian. Father, we know that all are good examples of, of you, Father, but we just pray that you will bless them to, to overcome those illnesses that they have and the things that affect them, uh, Father, that keep them from maybe serving as they would like. Father, we pray that you will continue to be with the little Nash Walker boy, Father, bless him, and, and the surgery that he had, that it will, will be something that will, he'll be able to come that little, that dog bite, Father, and bless them. Father, continue to be with Kristen and James and their family, Father, at this time, and, and give them strength and, and help, Father, and to overcome the problems that they have and the problems that she has, Father, that just bless them. Father, we, again, we realize that good Christian people, Father, good Christian examples, and we just pray for their health and well-being. And, Father, for the Dave and the upcoming scope that he's going to have, we pray your blessings on him this week, that they can determine some things for him, Father, that will help him to overcome some issues that he has, Father. Father, we do pray that you'll continue to bless the, the Payne family and the Leap family and and others, Father, at the death of their loved ones, Father. Again, so many good examples of brothers and sisters in Christ, Father, that, that we, we miss them and we have learned from their example as of those of the Bible that help, help us to, to follow their example, help us to stay faithful. And again, those who are still sick, help them to be faithful, Father, until death, Father. Father, just bless us all that we'll continue faithful, that we can have that sunlight that you give us because of the love that you've shown to us and the love that we have within us because of your love. Father, we just ask that you will continue to help the congregation here, continue to bless the elders, and we're so thankful for them and for every decision that they have to make and have made, Father, for these past two or three years that were very difficult and still are difficult. Help us, Father, to, to again, overcome the, the things that we face in this world the diseases that are out there that seem to be hindering our life and our connection with one another and, and with others, Father, that aren't Christians. Pray that you'll bless this uh, disease, COVID, to be over soon and so that we can feel comfortable to be around each other and, and do the things that we have in the past. Father, bless our, our world at this time. Uh, Father, we just pray that things in the in the Asia, in the Europe, European area and all the other things that our president has to deal with, we just pray that you will bless those things to be in, end peacefully and not, not develop into another war of some sort. And Father, just continue to, to watch out for, for our local government and our officials, Father, that you will bless them to do the right thing. Help them to make the right decisions and help them to 
to help us, Father, to, to get to heaven. Father, we're thankful for your son, and Father, for the plan that you did make for us to get to heaven, and we're thankful for that. Forgive us, Father, of our sins. Continue to bless us in our service tonight. Be with Chris as he continues his lessons upon those who, uh, of the Old Testament. And Father, continue to be with Jeremy as he leads singing. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Scripture reading for tonight is Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. For the lesson this evening, number 821, 821, would you stand please? This evening is I want to be ready to meet him. It's on the overhead only, unless it shuts off, and then I'll pick another song and announce it before we sing it. <laughs> it's gonna be an interesting invitation. It's good. Shut up, wife. <laughs> All right. Good evening. Tonight we are continuing our series on the Old Testament Kings. 
uh, of Judah specifically. So be turning to Second Kings chapter 16. Second Kings chapter 16. We've had a, uh, an interesting couple of weeks, haven't we, with the snow and stuff. It seems like uh, Sunday nights now it just kind of starts snowing. So <laughs> we'll see how long that lasts. We have snow in June. We'll know something's up. Uh, all right, Second Kings chapter six, sixteen. Sorry, Second Kings chapter sixteen. Tonight we read about a guy named Ahaz. Uh, I've been teasing this lesson and this guy for several weeks now. I guess uh, he is probably the wickedest king in all of Scripture. That's including his great great grandfather Amaziah. That's also probably including his great great grandmother Adahalia, who killed her own family. Um, this guy. His wickedness seems to know no bounds. It also includes uh, maybe a great uncle on his mama's side. You know him as King Ahab uh, of the northern nation of Israel. This guy, uh, Ahaz, uh, not to be confused with Ahab, but Ahaz is very, very wicked. You find his story in 2 Kings chapter 16. You also find his story in 2 Chronicles chapter 26, uh, 28. So we may bounce back and forth there. Uh, but we're also going to go to Isaiah chapter 7 because that's another spot where you find Ahaz's story. So the Bible talks an awful lot about this guy. Three different passages uh, tell his story from varying viewpoints and with different, they add a little bit extra uh, each time the story's told. So let's just kind of talk about him and then we'll talk about what, what I think maybe we can learn and should be learning and what God wants us to learn from this guy. He's 20 years old when he takes over the kingdom of Judah. He is a descendant of David. He will not act anything like David. His actions throughout his 16-year reign will bring displeasure and discomfort and ultimately wrath to Judah. Um, They will be punished because of the things that he led them in. It's not just the high places that every king of Judah has left to them. Uh, The high places are are kind of an odd thing because most scholars don't know what to make of them. It seems like uh, kind of a Tower of Babel situation. The people of Judah seem to think, and Israel as well, seem to think that the closer you could get to the heavens, the closer you were to God physically, the closer you were to Him spiritually. That's obviously, we know, not the case, but it's an assumption that they were were under. And so they would find the the biggest hill that they could find, the biggest mountain, and they would set an altar up there, and they would start worshiping there. The problem with that is God's already told them where he wanted them to worship. The temple was where he was wanting them to worship, not these high places. So most kings are not going to remove the high places. Every now and then you'll find a good king of Judah uh, who will who will attempt to remove these high places, and several of them do, but the people keep going back to the high places. They don't need an altar to worship. They just have to go to the place, and, and there they worship. So you'll find good kings uh, of Judah every now and then. Once every three or four or five generations, a good king will rise up, and he'll remove the high places. This guy will not only not remove the high places, he's going to build more, and he's going to go worship himself there. It's not just the people going to worship like we've seen in the past. Many of the kings of Judah have been good men, righteous men. They had mistakes, they had pride, and they had a variety of other sins that were going on. We remember Uzziah 
recently, Ahaz, his grandfather, struggled with pride and he entered the temple and he tried to make a sacrifice and God struck him with leprosy for the rest of his life because of, of that sin. We remember David with a sin of lust. These guys are not perfect, but most of them are righteous. Most of them are trying to do what God would have them to do. Ahaz throws all that out the window. He does not care what God thinks about him. He does not care what the people think about him. Now, this guy is very religious, if we can use that term with the scorn that that some people put into it. He is and will go after every God he can think of, including the ones he defeats, including the ones that, uh, that he knows cannot possibly be real because their peoples are defeated. So even those gods, he will go after and he will try to, to worship them. So he just continually, throughout his 16-year reign, defies God, spits in his face at every, at every turn. Uh, listen to how the, the, the writer of Kings talks about this man. 2 Kings chapter 16, verse 2. Ahaz was 20 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. And he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord his God, as his father David had done. But he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. Right off the bat, we know something's wrong, right? The Judah kings are always defined, are always compared back to their great-great-grandfather, David. And the, the, the ancestor penultimate, I suppose, because the promise was given to David. You will have a descendant who sits on this throne in Jerusalem forever. All the way up until the line gets to Jesus the Christ, the ultimate king, right? That's the, that's the promise given to David. And it is an unconditional promise. God did not say, if you're righteous, I will continue this. David's descendants, many of them, are not righteous. Ahaz is the prime example of that. But David has given this unconditional promise. I will bless your descendants and one of them will sit on the throne all the way down until the Messiah comes. And he will come out of David's line. So all of these, pre, uh, all the subsequent kings of Judah are measured up against David and Ahaz will fall the farthest short. He walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. Verse 3, but he even burned his son as an offering according to the despicable practices of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the peoples of Israel. So I don't know how much you picked up there, but there's an Old Testament God named Molech. He's a Canaanite God. Uh, he was worshipped in the land of Canaan before the Israelites came in and kicked most of them out of the land. He's pictured as a giant bull. He has arms uh, outstretched like this, and there's a giant hole uh, where his stomach would be. The hole is filled with fire, and they would pass their, their newborns through the fire in child sacrifice to, to this God in the hopes that he would bless them or smile on them make their lives better. Ahaz picks up this incredible sin, uh, this incredible idolatrous act, and even offers his own children through, um, through the fire here. Verse 4, And he sacrificed and made offerings on the high places and on the hills and, over, and under every green tree. Remember we talked about the high places just a second ago. Uh, it wasn't just that the people were worshiping there. It wasn't just that he ignored it. It wasn't just that he didn't police that area and make sure that the people were worshiping where they ought to be. 
he himself was leading the worship in these places. Uh, and in fact, if you keep reading here and read between the lines what he says in verse 4, and under every green tree, there, uh, that's a euphemism for an, for an idolatrous um, sexual act that apparently Ahaz was also leading in. Uh, so this guy just, once you think you found the depths of his uh, idolatry and immorality, you just keep reading and there's more. Um, verse 5, Then Rezin, king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel, came up to wage war on Jerusalem, and they besieged Ahaz, but could not conquer him. Now, they're going to come against Ahaz because God has motivated them to do so. God's going to use them as, uh, as, a, as a weapon against uh, Judah in an attempt to bring them back to him. It's not going to work. Flip over to Isaiah chapter 7. When Isaiah, or sorry, when, uh, when Ahaz figures out what's going on, he's terrified, as he should be. Syria is the, uh, the power at that day, although the, the nation of Assyria is burgeoning. They're, they're coming to power, and everybody's kind of looking toward them as the next superpower on the scene. And Syria, <coughs> sorry, whose capital city is Damascus, uh, is still in control of the world, though. And so when Syria buddies up with the northern nation of Israel, they both start looking toward Judah, the smaller nation of the two, of the three even, uh, and uh, they're going to they're gonna try to conquer Judah. This is what happens. Isaiah gets a word from God, and he's going to go to Ahaz, and he's got a proposal for him. Ahaz, you don't have to be scared of Syria. You don't have to be scared of the northern nation of Israel. In fact, God's going to take care of them. Come back to them. Come back. Set your sights back on God. Set your sights on righteousness and stop all this foolishness with idolatry and the immorality. You don't have to worry about Syria and the northern nation of Israel. God's going to take care of them. And Ahaz kind of says, oh yeah? How? Here's, here's kind of what happens. Isaiah chapter 7, starting in verse 1. In the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, that's our boy, right? Ahaz, king of Judah. Son of Uzziah, king of Judah. Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, the king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to wage war against it, but could not yet mount an attack against it. That's exactly what we found in Kings, right? Well, if you keep reading, this passage is about to get real interesting. Because how you know this passage is not how this passage was originally intended to be read. You heard John read the uh, verse 14 just a few seconds ago, and everybody was like, why are you talking about Jesus tonight? I thought we were talking about kings of Judah, right? That's what everybody thought, right? So and if you get down to verse 14, he's still talking to Ahaz. Here's how all this works out. Follow with me. Look in verse 2, Isaiah 7, verse 2. When the house of David was told... Syria is in league with Ephraim, the heart of Ahaz and the heart of his people, shook as the trees of the forest shake before the winds. He was terrified. And the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out and meet Ahaz, you and Sher Jashub, your son. If you look down in your notes, Sher Jashub means a remnant shall return. Uh, God's doing something with Isaiah's children, much like he did with Hosea's children. They're a symbol, so to speak, to Israel. 
to the southern nation of Judah. He's going to destroy them too. And that's coming. It's just kind of waiting in the wings right now. Not yet though. Uh, so bring your son at the end of the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the washer's field and say to him, be careful, be quiet, do not fear and do not lose your heart. Be faint and do not let your heart be faint because of these two smoldering stumps of firebrands. <coughs> at the fierce anger of resin and Syria and the son of Remaliah. So he basically calls them <clears throat> useless. You're not going to worry about them. They're not, they're not a big deal. They're smoldering stumps. Because Syria with Ephraim and the son of Remaliah has devised evil against you, saying, let us go up against Judah and terrify it, and let us conquer it for ourselves, and set up the son of Tabel as king in the midst of it. So God says, I'm not going to let that happen. I'm not going to let them conquer you. Skip down to verse 10. Excuse me. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, as a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as the heaven. Now, you remember Gideon, right? When Gideon wanted to know if there was a, if what the angel was actually saying to him was actually from God. Remember what he did? Stick out a sheepskin. If it's drowned on the top in the morning but wet underneath, then I'll know it's from the Lord. That was his sign. He asked for a sign. That's, that's what it was. And then even he wasn't sure whether that was legit or not. Maybe it's just coincidence. So he flipped it around. You know, In the morning, if it's dry on top and wet on the bottom, the sheepskin, well, I'll know that this is word from the Lord. So he asked for a sign and God gave it to him. Here, God offers a sign. Ask whatever you want, Ahaz. You mean to write something in the clouds? I mean, like, you want a donkey to come up to you and talk to you like it did with Balaam? Like, what do you want? You ask whatever you want, Ahaz. Name it. Name your, name your price. If you believe me, you name your price. And I'll make it happen. Just so that you trust me. Pretty incredible, right? God writes this guy a blank check. I don't know what I would have done. I think it would have been incredible. Like, make the northern lights hop up in my bedroom or something. I don't know. But like, some sign would have come out of my mouth, I think. Just to be like, okay, let's, let's make sure this really is from, from the Lord. Listen to what Ahaz does, though. And this is not a test to his incredible faith. This is a test of his incredible idolatry, his lack of faith in God. Listen to what he does. In verse 12, Isaiah seven twelve, he says, But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. He's not concerned any at all about what the Lord thinks about him. He believes in the Lord so little that he's not even willing to ask. Not even going to throw out the possibility. That's how little this guy trusts God. Isaiah doesn't care. Verse 13, he said, Hear then, O house of David. Remember, this guy's a descendant of David. What should he be doing? He should be relying on the Lord like David did, right? He should have been leading the people in righteousness like David did, but he doesn't. Is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? You're worried about putting God to the test? Come on, Ahaz. <clears throat> Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call, shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. There's the promise. There's the sign. So how long is that going to take? Well, 
You take a, a young lady who's not, been, who's not married right now, you give her time to set the wedding date, get married, have a child, for that child to grow up to the point where he knows that he likes peanut butter and doesn't like asparagus. That's the point at which, at that time span, what, about two or three years, you're not going to have to worry about Syria or the northern nation of Israel, Ahaz. Just give it two or three years and see what happens. That's the sign. Now, that's not the sign as we know it, right? Because Matthew co-ops Isaiah 7, 14. He says, you've talking about Jesus all along. And it seems so obvious because Emmanuel, God with us. God was saying, I will be with you, Ahaz, despite your wickedness, despite your immorality, despite your crazy, idolatrous acts. I'll be with you so that I can fulfill the promise that I made to your great-great-grandfather, David, to do good through the land, ultimately ultimately bring the Christ through this lineage. That's not how we know it, though. But that's what it ultimately meant to, to Isaiah and to Ahaz here in the beginning. In two or three years, Ahaz was going to look over towards Syria and he was going to see ruins. And it happens. In about two or three years from this point, Assyria comes into Damascus and they wipe it off the planet. And then they go up to the northern nation of Israel and guess what they do there in 722? They wipe it off the planet. They're both gone. Uh, And there never will be another superpower, uh, not from those two nations. So that's Isaiah chapter 7. That's, that's Ahaz's sign. So flip back to 2 Kings chapter 16. Let's finish up this guy's story. 2 Kings chapter 16. You're getting a feel for, for Ahaz. And if you're like me, you come away feeling icky. Uh, spending time with this guy is kind of like spending time with a spider. It just makes you feel bad. But I think there's something we can learn from, from him. 2 Kings chapter 16. Uh, let's look in verse 6. At that time, Rezin, the king of Syria, recovered Eloth for Syria and drove the men of Judah from Eloth. And the Edomites came to Eloth where they dwell to this day. So Ahaz sent messengers to tiglath Pileser, <coughs> king of Syria, saying, I'm your servant and your son. Whoa, whose son are you again, Ahaz? David's son. You're not tiglath Pileser's son. Who is this guy? He's a brand new king in the world. He's a nobody. He's about to become a somebody. But in comparison to God, this guy's a nobody. And eventually God's going to deal with tiglath Pleaser's nation of Assyria himself. But Ahaz sends to him because he's scared of Syria and the northern nation of Israel and their hammer that they're bringing toward him. He gets scared. So he sends word to the burgeoning nation of Assyria. He says, hey, come help me. Come fight against these guys. Um, and to do that, he empties the treasuries of the house of the Lord. The temple, he goes into the temple and he starts tearing it apart. All the stuff that he can find that it's gold, he sends to, to Assyria in an effort to bring this guy to help him. And he does. Tiglath Pleaser takes the bribe. He comes over and he destroys Damascus. And he destroys the northern nation of Israel. Ahaz would have never had to worry about them had he trusted in God instead of trusting in this guy, Tiglath Pleaser. Um, but now, all the way up until Hezekiah next week, Ahaz is going to have a son. His name's Hezekiah. He is a good and righteous, good man of God. He's going to have to pay the tribute to Assyria. He's going to have to continue paying this bribe until he stops. And then you get a really interesting um, story, an account of that. 
So eventually, after Tiglath-Pileser of Assyria destroys Damascus, he or destroys Syria, Syria. He destroys the northern nation of Israel. He brings in all the all the kings of the area that he's conquered, all of his vassal nations like Judah, and he meets at he meets them at Damascus, in the ruins of Syria. He brings in all these kings, all these important figures from across the world, and he has a summit, so to speak. He's basically setting the record straight. I'm the king. You're going to pay tribute. I don't care if you like it. Here's what we're going to do. That's what this meeting is about. Ahaz comes to this meeting. There he finds a, uh, a, a, an altar that he is just very impressed with. Um, and so he makes a blueprint of it, and he sends it back to Judah. And he has one of his priests mock up an altar just like that. He starts tearing apart the, the, some of the temple furnishings. He tears apart the sea uh, that Solomon had built in the temple. He moves the bronze altar that God had put there in the temple, moves it around to the back, puts his altar right there. All this was stuff that he did not have the authority. To, he's way above his pay grade here. And it's interesting that he even made this move in the first place because if this God is so powerful and so worthy of worship, why didn't he protect the Syrians? I don't know if, I guess uh, Ahaz didn't think of that question. But for whatever reason, he has it built uh, and, and they start worshiping that, adding that to the idolatrous acts that they're so famous for uh, in Ahaz's generation. So you come down to the end of his life uh, in 2 Kings chapter 16, verse, uh, let's, let's start in verse 18, we'll read through the end of the chapter. And the covered wave for the Sabbath that had been built inside the house and the outer entrance for the king, he caused to go around to the house of the Lord because of the king of Assyria. He's just saying he rearranged the temple um, furnishings, the, the altar and the, all the things that are around it. He moved them around, something that he did not have the authority to do. Now, the rest of the acts of Ahaz that he did, are they not written in the book of Chronicles of the kings of Judah? And Ahaz slept with his fathers and was buried in the, with his fathers in the city of David. And Hezekiah's son reigned in his place. Again, Hezekiah's a good man. Ahaz had a good father. He's going to have a great son. The chronicler reminds us that Ahaz was not buried with his fathers. And he wasn't buried in the, tomb, in the tombs of David. Uh, he wasn't worthy of that. So what can we learn from this guy? He didn't know who he was, did he? He just, just kind of had no idea who he was. He saw something shiny that attracted his attention, and he went after that thing. Whether it was a high place in Judah, uh, he starts making these, uh, these little temples and altars all over, this, all over the, the nation of Judah. Wherever he went, there was another little shrine that he could worship at. He went to uh, a conquered nation, and he found their altar. And he was like, oh, this is something that I should, that I should do. He just had no idea who he was, did he? Who was he? Who was Ahaz? He was David's son. He was a part of David's lineage, wasn't he? Heir to the promises of David. So you could think of it like this. Who was Ahaz in David? He was the heir. He was the one who was going to inherit all these promises. It was through him, through this guy's line, that the Messiah was going to come. So it reminds us that we had better be very certain who we are, not in David, 
but in Christ. Whether you're a plumber, whether you're a secretary, whether you're an engineer, or whatever, whoever, whatever you're doing, whoever you, you view your identity as, our identity is in Christ. That's who we are. That's who, we, that's who bought us. That's who we live our lives for. And we're not attracted by the next shiny object, are we? We're focused on him and what he would have us do, what he wants us to, to do, how he wants us to live, what he thinks is important, is important in our lives too. So that, I think that's the lesson that we can learn from Ahaz, at least it's one of them. This guy just had no idea who he was. And you better know who you are so that you don't fall prey to some of the same things that he fell prey to. It seemed like everything that came down the line, Ahaz just fell for. He didn't know who he was. We need to know who we are. We are Christians. We wear the sign of Christ as a badge of honor. We're his ambassadors. We need to act like it. We need to think like it. That changes everything. When he's the one who's living inside of us, when he's the one who's making our decisions for us, when we've given him our heart and he's transformed it like we talked about this morning, he's in charge of everything. And I'm not so easily distracted by all the things that are going around, going on in the world around me. So this morning, or this evening, if you're not inside of Christ, why wait? The blessings are only for those who are inside of him, who have been baptized into his blood, had their sins washed away, and have been given a new lease on life, a lease that's profitable and possible thanks only to the sacrifice of Christ. Maybe you've already made the decision this evening and you just need the prayers of this congregation to be who God wants you to be. If you have any need tonight, why don't you come as we stand and sing. You may have your worldly pleasure, your silver and your gold. You may pile up all the riches that this soul world can hold. But I'd rather have my Savior and with Him firmly stand. For I want to be ready to meet Him in glory land. I want to be ready to meet Him by and by. I want to be ready to meet Him in the sky. Oh, I want to be more like Him and do His blessed command. For I want to be ready to meet Him in glory land. You may talk about your riches, your diamonds and your pearls. You may gain the wealth of ages of this and all the world. But the Savior is more precious, with Him I'll take my stand. For I want to be ready to meet Him in the glory land. I want to be ready to meet Him in the I want to be ready to meet Him in the sky. from the fall. I'm an heir to wealth and glory. My Father owns it all. That is why I'm shouting
Good evening, church family. Chris, great lesson, brother. Appreciate you. As a reminder that uh, next Sunday is Church Eat Church. Uh, we'll have 1 o'clock service. There will be no 4 o'clock service next Sunday. Also, if you can help out with snacks for CYC, uh, there's a sign-up sheet. <laughs> there's a sign-up sheet uh, out on the foyer board. That was funny. We, we've, been, we've been having problems with the lights staying off. That was the first time we've had a problem with the lights staying on. So, <laughs> the, um, Also, we'd like to do a card shower for our college students. Libby, close your ears. Um, we'd ha- like to have a card shower for our college students. Uh, just kind of let them know we're thinking of them. And... Uh, if you can do a card, we'll mail them off for you. Uh, just bring them to the church building um, and bring them to me or Mandy, and we'll get the cards mailed off. But by February 6th, we can have those cards. It can be a Valentine's Day card or whatever, uh, but uh, we'd love to uh, encourage our college kids. Um, that's from February 6th. And if you're a college student, please check your name out in the bulletin board uh, to make sure your name's on there so that way we know how— uh, how many college students we have, and everyone gets one. Thank you on that. Uh, don't forget about signing up for the Bible Bowl. Uh, if you want to participate in that, that is March 5th through the 6th. Also, uh, remember to continue to keep um, the Payne family in your prayers, the passing of uh, Amber Payne's grandmother. Uh, remember that family in your prayers. Also, remember to continue to keep the leaps in your prayers at this time, as well the passing of Rusty. Um, and also, uh, just got news, uh, Peg Pryor's nephew, Omar, uh, we announced it this morning. He passed away earlier today. Uh, so remember to continue to, uh, keep Omar's, uh, family in your prayers. Keep his wife, Sarah, and his daughter, Lily, in your prayers as well. Um, also, remember to continue to keep Kristen in your prayers and James and, and the rest of the family in your prayers is what they're going through. Keep Sue Powell in your prayers, uh, Nash Walker, uh, Sandy Wilson's grandson, Landon, Katie Berkey's grandmother, Eleanor Dean. Keep uh, Judy and Marvin Jordan in your prayers as well. Keep Dan Wheeler in your prayers and Peggy Rowe um, in your prayers this week. Uh, that's all the announcements I have. If you had not had the opportunity to take the Lord's Supper, it has been prepared in the conference room. You may leave and do that now. We will sing one more song and be dismissed in prayer. Close the service with heaven's going to shine. Who has closing prayer? Is it me?
Okay. <laughs> I got one coming up, but I couldn't remember which day it was. <laughs> Heaven's going to shine. I don't know exactly how sweet heaven will be. I don't know what beauty or what glory I'll see. I don't know what I'll behold that morning divine. I know for sure that heaven's really gonna shine. It's gonna shine. It's gonna shine. Oh, yes, I know. It's gonna shine, shine, shine. There's glory soul of mine. Know for sure that heaven's really gonna shine. I don't know how wide will be that city so fair. I don't even know how many saints will be there. I don't know how high will be that mansion of mine. I know for sure that heaven's really gonna shine. It's gonna shine. Oh, yes, I know it's going to shine, shine, shine. There's glory in this soul of mine. Know for sure that heaven's really going to shine. It's going to shine. It's going to shine. Oh, yes, I know it's going to shine, shine, shine. There's glory in Know for sure that heaven's really gonna shine. Bow with me, please. Father, we're thankful for this opportunity that we've had to come and sing songs of praise to you and hear another lesson from your word. We're thankful for Chris and his family as they work here with us at Rome. We pray you continue to bless them and he again watch over us and keep us all safe. We're thankful for the many blessings that you've given us. We ask, Father, that you bless Peg's nephew's family at his unexpected passing today. Bless him and, and be with his wife and, and child and the rest of their family. Be with uh, our others that are sick. Continue to watch over Christian and be with James and the children and give them strength. Bless those that have lost loved ones. Go with us, Father, as we're about to leave this place, that we will be able to let our light shine in our community this week. And as we try to return again on Wednesday, bless us, keep us safe, forgive us when we're wrong. In thy son's name we pray, then amen.